1: I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Tucker fans all over the world, it is time. It is time for another strong session of into the net fc so sit back relax and get ready for a wild ride where you will hear the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth the intensity on the pitch is about to go down and here we go Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, the Soccer Talk segment of the Bear of Texas podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and now also available on Amazon Music. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. I'd like to once again welcome my good friend, and my mentor in beautiful and sunny Southern California, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a proper welcome back to Steve Adams. What's going on, Steve? Hey.
2: Great night in Los Angeles. Uh, we're things are looking up a little bit. The air quality is improving. It's not as uh, not as beastie hot as it had been uh, this weekend. Was probably the the nicest weekend that we've had in uh, in a little while. So, yeah. Things are things are looking up. Had a chance to watch some watch some really interesting matches and uh, a couple of turkeys over the weekend. But uh, we could talk about that.
1: Yes, we should. And it's week two, and we were in for another interesting week. I mean, for me, we'll get to that soon. It's been quite interesting because now we take we're going to go and start by looking at. Uh, I mean, I'm taking a look at the standings. And it's pretty freaking interesting. After two games, Leicester City is on top of the Premier League, followed by Everton, then Arsenal at third, Liverpool at fourth, and Crystal Palace at fifth.
2: Yeah, but this is Crystal Palace's best ever start to, uh, to an EPL season. They've never started out 2-0 out of the blocks before. And um, this sort of leads into um, their masterclass game that they had at old trafford over the weekend against manchester united Mm. (laughs) no no park no 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 parking the bus and counterattacking. it was just flat out they outplayed manu um major league uh it was masterclass zaha had a fantastic game and uh he had something to prove against the team that he played for at once Mm
1: -hmm. i mean it's been, it's in the history books. There's a history of players who have a point to prove when they dominate against a team they, they were once part of, a team that, well, honestly, clearly gave up on them. For, for that player, well, Payback's a bitch, you know, right?
2: Well, clearly. And uh, Zaha played a fantastic game. He looked lively, he looked dangerous uh Townsend also for Crystal Palace had a really fantastic game. He bagged a goal as well. And um yeah, I mean Crystal Palace they looked the the more the much more dangerous of the two sides. It's hard to believe that Palace was the away team.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's good to open the the top, the second week of Premier League with uh, this game. Well, as a Manchester United fan, you know what? I'm going to stick with the journalism principles Here is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Manchester United was obviously not prepared. They are lacking vision. They have no passion, no aggression, no mentality, no team chemistry. There is nothing. If there's anything positive, Steve, that came out of this game, it's a certain guy named Donny Van de Beek. As he came in the game, he didn't even start the game, which, which honestly surprised me, but he came in, and he actually scored a goal. So that's the only thing. That's positive, as far as the Red Devil goes. Red Devils go in that game. Other than that, there was nothing good. Absolutely nothing. I mean, this is humiliating.
2: Well, if if there's any more matches like that in the very near future, um, Ole Gunner Solshire is really starting out the season already a little bit in the hot seat already because uh, the fan base and the boardroom. Um, if there's too many more matches like that where they're just flat out outplayed by a team that they should at least on paper dominate, um, you know that's that's not going to last long.
1: You know Manchester United, they're just like my Dallas Cowboys. They're always a team that looks good on paper, but when the reality comes, they don't get the job done. I mean, they have something in common. I mean, they both, they're both they both teams that used to be really good, and now they're all a complete shell of what, of what they once were.
2: Well, and, man, you, you know, team that, you know, definitely not a great way to go out of the blocks, but from the ugly to the sublime on Saturday, uh, I don't know if you had much of a chance to watch Everton versus West Brom in that goal fest, Um
1: Well, I saw the highlights, so I did watch it in a sense.
2: But Everton, uh, James Rodriguez is just playing incredible ball. Phenomenal vision. Um, He opens the the play up. Uh, Calvert-Lewin, who's an English forward, uh, he may get some notices for trying to get on the English national team uh, after scoring a hat trick. Uh, Fantastic game. And um, it was just an absolute gold fest over at, over at Goodison Park.
1: I'm sure Gareth Southgate is already scouting this young man, and he's probably telling the, the head of the English national team, we, we might have to look into bringing this lad in. This, I mean, England, you know, there's always you know a young guy, you know, ready to step it up. I mean, always ready to re- represent his country. And as far as James Rodriguez goes, I think he's finally at a place where he can, you know he's going to be happy, The opportunities are going to come, and he can finally settle down, chill out, and and have fun, live his dream.
2: Well, Encelotti seems to have a system that just seems to be working very well for him, and uh, incredible vision. He's just such a creative person, but uh, really, really good game uh, on Saturday. Uh, And then another team that continues to show its attacking flair leads they win another seven-goal goal fest. Uh, they were on the losing side of a goal fest last week against Liverpool. But they beat Fulham, who another team like Leeds came up from the from the EFL. They win 4-3 to three, um, at Ellen Road uh, against Fulham. So they're scoring goals, and they're showing a great deal of attacking flair as well.
1: Leeds United is proving a point. That they intend on staying at the top flight for as long as they deem necessary. In other words, if they go down, it's going to be on their terms. They're doing things on their terms. So that mentality that they have, I love it. Because I explained last week, it wasn't a loss to Liverpool. It was a losing effort. A lot of people don't know that a losing effort and a loss are two different things. Yes, you don't win, but there's an effort. That's the key word, effort. Leeds United is a team that puts on a lot of effort, so in Fulham's case, this was honestly a losing effort. Unfortunately for Fulham, it's they're 0-2 now, but there's still lots of soccer left to play, so Fulham can attempt a comeback. They just have to get it together.
2: Well, and Costa scored two goals for Leeds. Uh, for American soccer fans, uh, Tim Ream... Uh did not get into the game it looked like for Fulham, so that was too bad, so Fulham 0 2 out of the blocks.
1: Well, like I said, plenty of football, but I just hope that you know they gotta make the necessary adjustments and step on the pitch and be ready to play. But now we get to another interesting game, another London Derby. We got Arsenal and West Ham United. And Arsenal is 2-0, and I honestly do not remember the last time Arsenal started out 2-0.
2: Well, uh, it was a much tighter game, actually, than I anticipated. Arsenal was up early, uh, early goal from Lacazette, West Ham tied it, and then, um, you know, late winner from uh, Enkitia scores the late winner for Arsenal, so they're 2-0 out of the blocks. West Ham 0-2. And you just get the feeling if you're if you're a Hammers fan, this just might be another one of those um, antacid inducing type seasons where, you know, they may be part of that group that's gonna be fighting the drop.
1: It's always a bad start for West Ham. I mean, it's been I honestly don't remember the last time West Ham had a good season. It just seems to me West Ham's a team, they certainly have talent, it's just that mentality is is the question, or maybe it's just because they can't do well under pressure. But West Ham United is seems to be stuck in a hole. I mean, they're trying to they're digging and digging and digging, and they just can't seem to find a way out.
2: Well, it's a team that does have some money, and they are playing in a first class stadium. Uh, West Ham, they ended up inheriting what was the stadium that was built for the 2012 London Olympics. So that's that has become their their home now. So, uh, nice place to play. Um, Unfortunately, no fans can be in it, but uh, but yeah, you know, tough tough start for West Ham.
1: Tough start and uh, plenty, like I've said, you know, plenty of soccer to play, and you never know. And, and as far as Arsenal goes, keep winning, and you're gonna be okay. Now we get to Southampton versus Tottenham. Now, all I can say about this is Sun Hung Min. Four goals, and this allows him to be tied for first as a top scorer in the Premier League. Right now, it's that English player that you were talking about earlier, Dominic Calvert-Lewin for Everton, who's actually, I mean, the the stats here, they have him on top. So they have his picture in, so I guess that means he's officially the top scorer, even though technically it's a tie.
2: Well... Against Southampton down on the coast, it was the Son and uh, Harry Kane show because Harry Kane had four assists on the four Son goals, and then for good measure, Harry Kane gets a goal uh, for himself as well, too. So uh, another seven-goal fest. Um, just goals galore in the EPL this weekend, and uh, still not a single-drawn match. Nothing. The closest that there was to anything like a zero-zero match was uh, the snooze fest on Monday between Aston Villa beating a ten-man Sheffield United, but um, but just uh, incredible amount of goals and offense to come out to start the new season.
1: See, and I like that. And a friend of mine asked me, Alex, do you believe that Sun Hung min had that performance to shut up Jose Mourinho? My response is, I mean, probably. I mean, really, he did it to win and, you know, to help the team. But in some case, I guess you can say he did it to shut, shut Jose, Jose Mourinho up. But at the end of the day, we'll never know. The bottom line is they won. But speaking of Tottenham, it, it, it appears that Gareth Bale will be headed there.
2: He's back. He's back. So uh, it's very convenient. Uh, Zidane gets rid of his Welsh headache. Uh, those two just never really got along even though uh, Gareth Bale is the most decorated British footballer because he's been on four FIFA Champions League winning sides there's there's a couple who have been on three nobody with four so uh, Gareth Bale is a guy that knows how to win before he left for Tottenham back in uh, 2013 he played at Tottenham so he uh, you know the the fans in North London are just absolutely giddy to to have their Wallstar back and uh, to get him back with uh, Kane and Son. You know it definitely could add another dimension to the attack.
1: And what's worrisome for some fans is you got three great offensive attack weapons. With Jose Mourinho, so we can only hope that Mourinho is able to use all three of them effectively. I mean, I personally, I hope so.
2: Well, I just think that uh, I think Bale will probably come out playing pretty well. I think he's going to be so relieved uh, to be away from all that stress in Madrid that he's had the last couple of years. And, and really, there's a combination of things. I mean, just did not get along with Zidane Zidane. But even the, the Real Madrid fans, uh, that fan base was giving him an awful lot of stick the last couple of years, you know, forgetting, you know, the, the big goals that he scored uh, a couple of years ago. He scored two goals against Liverpool in the Champions League final, um, and one of them arguably his overhead kick, arguably the best goal ever in a UEFA Champions League final. It's right up there with Zidane's goal that he scored against Leverkusen uh, for Real Madrid. But, uh, I'll never forget but, that. No, but for but for Tottenham, it's, uh, it's a really good way to write the ship after they did not play well in their first weekend. And uh, with some more offensive help coming, uh, I think things are looking up a little bit. I think Jose Mourinho will definitely see the glasses being half full right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So Tottenham, they're, built, they know they're fighting for their future, and... You got to do what you got to do. Bring them the weapons. Bring in the expertise, the leadership. If you have to spend money to be successful, if you have the money, then do it. That's all I can say. I mean, it's all about business, right, Steve?
2: Well, and what you've talked about before—it's not so much you know spending money on talent; it's spending wisely. And the Chelsea Liverpool match. That sort of highlights money money well-spent versus money not well-spent. I mean, $80 million Chelsea paid for Kepa to come over from Spain to be their their first-choice goaltender, and um, it's been one gaffe after another. He had just an absolute howler of a mistake uh, against Liverpool where Sadio Mane just stole the ball for him. Probably the easiest goal that Sadio Mane ever has or ever will score in the EPL. Um, and then money well spent, Liverpool was able to get Thiago Alcantara, uh, a Spanish midfielder from the new, newly crowned Champions League winners, Bayern Munich, they were able to get him. And one telling statistic in that game between Chelsea and Liverpool They brought, um, Klopp brought him on in the second half as a replacement for Jordan Henderson. In one half, Thiago completed more passes than any player from Chelsea who played 90 minutes. So Liverpool showed that uh, this was a really, really good purchase and he played well Um, and then uh, the other thing that really sort of cooked Chelsea's goose, too, was uh, Christensen's foul on Mane just at the very, very beginning of the second half. Mane was breaking away on a ball uh, with only the goaltender to beat. Goaltender was off his line, and Christensen just hauled him down, VAR, straight red. So Chelsea had to play down 10 men uh, against Liverpool. So, uh that was that was a very very key moment in that match as well
1: it was and what's really interesting steve is we you predicted that chelsea was gonna win
2: i thought they would because uh liverpool's defense just had not looked really terribly good um the previous couple of times i've seen them play so they short things up quite a bit and then um credit to allison becker he was able to save a giorgino penny penalty in the second half that could have totally changed the the game had he converted that it would have made the game two to one at that point and even a 10-man chelsea they still could have been dangerous and chelsea did have moments even playing with 10 men uh timo Werner. This guy was a good purchase by Chelsea. He looked lively, he looked active, he looked dangerous. I think that once Chelsea gets a healthy Christian Pulisic back, it'll be really interesting if they could get both of those players on the pitch at the same time because they're both very lively, they've got silky skills. And, um, you know, Werner was one of the few bright spots for Chelsea in that game.
1: Absolutely he was, and honestly, if if Christian Pulisic comes back, you know, better than ever, he stays healthy, he has a hell of a year, it could very well possibly be if Ch- that Chelsea. You know, I'm gonna say they could win the Premier League. It's obviously shot in the dark, but in the Premier League, you never know what's gonna happen. And this game with Liverpool, I mean, I, I saw a, a part of it, and Liverpool finally started showing that momentum, that mentality that I was talking about, that, that very concentrated mentality you know and liverpool you know, you know they only scored two goals and it was in a 4 minute span from sadio mane but the bottom line is they won and that defense looked it looked all right it looked a lot better but there's obviously still some work to do so the question is can liverpool you know keep the momentum alive and make things right or make things better i should say
2: well they're not going to be able to dwell on the win too much because they've got Arsenal this week. But we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll get to the coming matches in a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: So now we get to Newcastle and Brighton. That's another prediction that we both. This time we both got it wrong because for Chelsea and Liverpool, I had predicted a tie. Okay, so yeah, so I was. Oh so yeah, so we both got this one this one wrong too. <laughs> Brighton three nothing and, and they and they, one of their they lost their they lost a player too. Except they yeah. it, was the, it was in the closing minutes a, a player named Eve Bisuma was given a, a red card in the 89th minute.
2: Yeah, Newcastle just went back for their first game at Saint James's Park and they just laid an absolute goose egg. Uh, Brighton came out of the blocks very fast. Uh, and Newcastle never really did get a chance to get back into the match.
1: I mean, it's, it's, I mean Brighton currently in eighth place, and here's something a little interesting. Uh, Newcastle down at 13, Manchester United down at 15, Sheffield at 17, and, you know, it, it's, it's it's off to an interesting start, and this is why I love the Premier League so much. You're going to have a the, – the, the ride starts out quicker, but it gets wilder and wilder and wilder by the second. That's what I love so much.
2: Absolutely, and then Leicester uh, scored four goals against Burnley uh, the other day at the office in the Midlands. So uh, the Foxes, they're out of the blocks playing some really good ball too. So uh, credit to Leicester for a good game.
1: I mean, this excitement is just, you know, it's giving me chills. You know, Leicester City 4-2 win, and like I mentioned earlier, they're on top.
2: Yeah, so, you know, shades of 2015 again, who knows, but uh, but but uh, it's certainly very interesting. And then uh, the Monday matches, like I said, Aston Villa, Sheffield United, that one was a snooze fest. Villa gets a goal in the second half after uh, Sheffield United. Um, they go down 10 men. Um, Villa also saved a penalty in this game. And then uh, Manchester City all over Wolves. 3-1. Um, Man City just looked a cut above. Uh, you could tell that uh, Wolves really missed Doherty in the back. Um, that was a big loss for Wolves, and Manchester City took advantage of that.
1: Ever, ever the difference maker, that's Manchester City for you. If there's an opportunity of an advantage, they take it. They're like a shark that smells blood in the water. That's why Manchester City is so damn good.
2: <laughs> well, you know, De-, De Bruyne he has a goal, he has an assist. Uh, Foden has a goal. Uh, Gabriel Jesus gets a goal. He gets kind of a garbage goal at uh, you know deep into stoppage time at the end of the game to make it absolutely no doubt at the end. But uh, but City looked very good.
1: Really, really good, and. And I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, this was probably a prediction that we both got exactly right. We knew Manchester City would win. You know, would be all about business. They would get do- get it done early and just have the game the entire control, and they did. So we got we we got one right. I mean, we, we got, got we- several right, but we did pick Tottenham. But this was actually a game where we were a bit perfectly accurately right.
2: Yeah, indeed.
1: So that wraps up week 2. Now we're going to go on to the predictions for week uh, for week 3. So we start out with Brighton and Manchester United. You know what? Since Manchester United has really nothing positive going right now, I think it's probably going to be a tie. <laughs> I think it's going to be a 1-1
2: tie. It's it's really kind of a must-win game for for United. I mean, uh, it, it is,
1: but they you don't see them deliver <laughs> In a convincing way, in these situations. I mean, they yeah they did it last year against Leicester City two 0 but that game was still they were having problems. Manchester United is like I said, they're unpredictable. Every a game they're supposed to win, they fucking lose. I mean this. I mean I don't. I, I'm sorry, I'm cussing, but this is just from. This is when the personal feelings, the emotions, really start to really kick in into that objective personality. Manchester United, they suck. I'm sorry, <laughs> and, and, and now that thing is taking over. But now I'm going back to my objective. My Manchester United is simply just not good. I mean, and, it, I, and, I, and I don't know if they'll be. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. It's just about results, and I don't know what results we'll see.
2: It's, it's clearly a gut-check game. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see which man United side pulls up, you know, shows up. I mean, with the players that they've got, they should be they should be a lot better, but they have definitely have had some heavy-duty problems back on their defense this year.
1: Mm-hmm. But speaking of Manchester United, there was actually a bit of positivity because they actually played an EFL third round game today against a team called Luton Town. Never heard of them. And Manchester United won three uh, nothing. And it was I mean good to see uh Van Van de Beek actually start that game, but didn't didn't score. But Manu, you know, winning three nothing, been kind of sealing the game, scoring. Marcus Rashford came in as a substitute, scoring 88th minute, and then with Greenwood uh, closing it in garbage time. I mean, wins a win, but this was not an, this was not an EPL play. So I mean, I, I I hate to say it, but I'm I'm not impressed. And I like how you you mentioned the words like which Manchester United team will show up. So I guess uh, the question is, will the real Manchester United team please stand up? Like, will that good team finally come out alive?
2: Well, I was actually kind of surprised, I think I think partially because the performance was so poor uh, against Crystal Palace. Normally, for these League Cup games, normally these are the games where if you're a big club, this is where you get the kids out, you get your junior team, you get your, maybe your senior players who aren't getting a lot of playing time. These are the games where you throw them out in the middle of the week. You don't for the League Cup, are you really going to put out your your major players? Well, I was I was actually really surprised at some of the players that only only got our put out for today. He put some pretty top flight talent against Luton which is you know in the third tier of English football. So um, go figure.
1: It's almost you know it's a preseason or exhibition game or you know just. Uh... A squash game, you know, maybe a tune-up game in, in American football terms, but a win's a win, and Manchester United could use all the wins possible. But for Brighton, I'm st- uh, for their game against Brighton. I'm sticking to a one-one tie. How about you?
2: I think this one will be a draw, but again, I think this is one that Man you really, really needs to win. Uh, the second game on Saturday is an unexpected, uh, interesting matchup with Crystal Palace and Everton. Both teams coming out of the blocks, 2-0. Everton playing just some sublime ball in these two games. And Palace, they they played fantastic against Man United over the weekend. So um, this one has the has the markings of being a goal fest. So we'll see. I actually take Everton in this one on the road.
1: I agree. I, I take Everton 3-2.
2: Then uh, West Brom Chelsea, Chelsea's gonna get itself off the deck, uh, and I think I think the baggies are gonna be zero and three by the time Chelsea's done working them over on Saturday. I
1: mean, they're, they're already at the, at the very bottom of the flight. I mean they're they're twentieth, and I think I think Timo Werner is. I am gonna I'm gonna make a special one. I think Timo Werner is is gonna have a hell of a game. I mean This is gonna be his his first big moment. Representing Chelsea.
2: Well, I think it's a good match for, for them to do that. But, um, but yeah, West Brom, to me, this is a team that even this early in the season, they've got relegation candidate stamped all over them. So I think Chelsea makes very, very short work out of the baggies.
1: Well said, Stephen. <laughs> well said. Now we get to Burnley and Southampton. Well, I'll just cut to the chase, I think. Well, since Southampton's nineteenth I mean they're already in the in the relegation zone I think Southampton's is gonna fight back they're gonna come up with a one nothing win.
2: This one I think finishes in a draw okay
1: I mean that that's solid as well I mean Burnley's still down there too I mean Burnley is fourteenth and what's well, just between, they're one spot ahead of the red Devils of Manchester united so a, a, are you gonna go with a one one draw
2: I'll go with a one one draw on that one
1: okay. Now we get to Sheffield United versus Leeds United. Give me Leeds.
2: This is a game that has not happened in the top flight in a long time, these two Yorkshire rivalries. Um, this is, you know, for, for an old coot like me who's been around for a while, uh, this is really kind of fun to have this match. It's great to have the two Yorkshire clubs up. In the top flight, uh, I I do pick Leeds to win this one on the road. Uh, they're very very creative. Uh, they are going to have to shore up things in the back line a little bit. I mean, they are one and one, but they have also they've given up s- seven goals in two games too. So, uh, but I I think I think Leeds wins this Yorkshire Derby. I'm
1: gonna go with Leeds wins three to one.
2: Okay. Tottenham Newcastle.
1: Well, here we go now. What I'm wondering is will Gareth Bale play in this game or at least will he appear? I'm not sure, but whether he does or not, I don't think it's gonna make a difference because I say Tottenham wins. Tottenham wins convincingly. I'm gonna give Tottenham I'm gonna say four to one. And I think well, and I think Harry Kane scores a I'm gonna go with Harry Kane scores a brace. Has two goals.
2: Well, I think Newcastle is going to go down to Tottenham and I think they're going to get smoked. I see I think Tottenham wins this one 3 zip.
1: Okay? I mean, a clean sheet for Hugo Lloris, uh, that's <laughs> I guess that that would that would definitely feel good. I mean, it would certainly help Lloris uh, for his upcoming international appearances in the other two games of Nations League, so a clean sheet for U- Hugo Lloris against Newcastle would certainly do the team well. I mean, certainly for him as well.
2: And Man we, City, I'm, I'm sorry, Man,
1: City Man City. Leicester oh boy oh boy oh boy okay I'm gonna okay this is not gonna make our friend Joe Maver happy but I'm gonna go with a 2-2 two to two draw and if Manchester City wins you know what if, if Joe wants to stick it to me fine I mean I was wrong and I'm not gonna deny that I was wrong but I'm gonna go with a draw
2: would like to see Leicester win but I think I think Man City takes this one I, I think they win this one 2 Zip. I think there was just too much, too much attacking class, and I think that their defense is enough where I think they can, they can cut Jamie, they can shut Jamie Vardy down.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm predicting. I think Jamie Vardy is going to be a difference maker. But I'm sure if Joe's listening, he's he's probably going to tell me I think that my uh, fan personality briefly took over, and maybe it did. But since Premier League is all about surprises, and Manchester City does fall short sometimes, and this is me talking objectively, but I think a draw is possible, but if Manchester City wins, then, you know, I'm wrong, but I'm still sticking on I'm not going to change the prediction now. I mean, can't be a coward about it, but, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll just say it like it is. I mean, that's what I do, but I'm going to go with 2-2 two to two draw. I'm going to stick to that.
2: All right. West Ham and Wolves.
1: <sighs> um. okay. Oh, man. Now, this one really has me scratching my head, having my... Hand on my chin, and that really has me thinking. I think a I think a 0-0 draw is 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 the most realistic I can come up with.
2: Well, this amounts to a must-win game for West Ham. After two two losses in a row, they're playing at home. Um I think Wolves, even though their defense is a little bit depleted with the loss of a couple players, I think they've got enough offensive capabilities with uh, Jimenez and uh Adama Traore I, th- I think Wolves snatch this one on the road one zip
1: okay that's definitely realistic as well but I have got to stick you know, with this one too I think it stays 0-0 so now we get to Fulham and Aston Villa
2: well this has all the earmarks of being the turkey of the week um I boy again must win game for Fulham after after two two losses lots of goals um Villa was quite frankly very lucky to beat a depleted Sheffield United the other day um I think this one will be a one-1 draw that's that's a that's a good
1: that's a very very realistic. I think I think I'm gonna have to go one-one draw too because Aston Villa. I mean, they're ninth right now. I mean, you know, it's hard to believe. You know, they're above Chelsea and Manchester United. That's pretty freaking cool for them. But since Fulham is not in that rhythm, they're not in a, in a winning gro- groove, and I don't see them picking it up maybe anytime soon. I mean, if they do, then I you know, just like always, I'll admit that I'm wrong. But I think Aston Villa takes this one, but I guess I, I go one nothing, 1-0. One so you
2: take Villa 1-zip? Yeah. Okay.
1: Now we get to a game. Now this one, okay, since this one's on Monday, and I will definitely be able to catch this game, Liverpool versus Arsenal at Anfield.
2: As Arsene Wenger would say, this one's the piece de resistance. Uh, the... It's it's definitely the mo- with some with some very interesting matchups this weekend. Liverpool Arsenal is by far and away the the most mouth-watering one. This is this is the creme This is the dessert after a really good meal. Um, Liverpool two zero, Arsenal two zero. Arsenal has the recent history of beating Liverpool on penalties at the Charity Shield match. Um, Arsenal has really, really good team speed. Uh, Liverpool looks like they shored things up a little bit in um, midfield by bringing in that X factor in Thiago Alcantara. So uh, this is one I think. I think Liverpool takes this one at home.
1: I agree. I'm going to go with Liverpool wins three to two.
2: But. Yeah, this one, this one, I do not see this one as being a one-zip game. I think there'll definitely be be some goals in this one.
1: I mean, this one could be a goal uh, fiesta. This could be, you know, a high-scoring game. Wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being four to three. But I'm going to stick with three, three to two. I think most Salah and Sadio Mane are the difference makers in this one.
2: Now, absolutely.
1: Now, if if I were to make a surprise prediction, like a, a different sort of prediction, I'm gonna say I guess I'm gonna go with Virgil Van Dyke scores on a header off of a, off of a corner kick. I always love seeing Virgil Van Dyke score.
2: Well, he certainly is a a very much a factor on any type of of corner kick, or for that matter, any direct kick that's from distance where you're trying to lob something into the box. Uh, he's definitely an X factor. He's got. Not only just great height, but he's got great hops as well. Uh, He he does have a a pretty good eye for goal in those dead ball situations.
1: That's why he's so unique, and that's why there's a possibility that he's going to have that moment again. But now we wrap up Premier League play, and I'd like to take a little bit of some League One games because it seems that Paris Saint-Germain are starting to pick it up. They're finally starting to put themselves back together they've won two straight games i mean they're coming off a very nice three nothing win against nice and it was in my case it was certainly great to see killian and Mbappe make his return and he did score a goal
2: well and marseille being marseille they after beating psg for the first time in nine years a couple of weeks ago they follow that up with Two really poor matches at home. They lose the first one to zip the Saint Etienne. That's an old rivalry that goes back to the '70s, back when Saint Etienne was the class of uh, French French soccer, and they made it to the the Champions Cup final the one year in '76 uh, against Bayern Munich. But. Uh, Saint-Étienne flat-out uh, played Marseille in in their game, and then over the weekend, Marseille was held at home 1-1 by Lille. So after that big win, uh, Marseille just sort of collapsed like a souffle out of the oven.
1: <laughs> well, what's interesting is Saint-Étienne is on top. And Marseille, uh, Marseille still is actually one spot ahead of uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Marseille is still 7th uh, in... Paris Saint-Germain's right there, right, beh- right behind them. But I, I think this may be the beginning. Paris Saint-Germain is finally gonna start climbing out climbing right back up. They're gonna they're on their way to taking that spot up again.
2: Well, I think they've just got too much class for the for the rest of Ligue 1. I mean, I think uh you know, enjoy it while you've got it. And then um, you know, one of the teams that was kind of towards the the top, Rennes, Uh, They just sold their goaltender, um, Edouard Mendy, they just sold him to Chelsea. So, um, you know, he played a big role in Rennes qualifying for a Champions League spot for Rennes. So um, the Bretons are going to be minus their top goalie, but they have some English cash in in their wallets after making a tidy little profit out of selling Mendy.
1: It's all about business. (laughs) Alright, so we're done with League One. And actually, uh, I should let you know, uh, one of my followers uh, who lives in France, he lives in Aix-en-Provence, he told me that, you know, he understands that, you know, the kind of PSG fan that I am, but he did tell me, Alex, if you live in France, you do know you can't cheer for multiple clubs. You can only have one club, and that's it. So I'm like, well, if I move to France for work, I mean, really, I'm not going to cheer for anybody. I'm just going to want to see some good football so I can have some good stories to write. So I'll just leave that that at that. There you go. (laughs) But now that we're on the final stage, I want to talk a little bit about transfers because apparently something that's been honestly old news by now, there was a news story which I shared on our group that it surfaced once again that Real Madrid... And Liverpool are after Kylian Mbappe. Now, apparently, I thought this was just an article that just that was that's from months ago that resurfaced, but apparently, it's fresh as a daisy. But really, at the end of the day, I'm just like, what's new? They've been after him for
2: months. They're going to be courting him. Both teams will be courting him. Um, Mbappe is such a talent, and I think he could be a really good fit on either side because I think. After this season with Liverpool, I could see either Mane or Mo Salah, I could see one of those two making a jump to Spain as well. So uh, I know there's been rumors about those two for a long time. But uh, as a Liverpool fan, sure, I'd love to see Mbappe playing at Anfield. I would love to see it.
1: If Liverpool can somehow build an offensive attack scheme with Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, and Kylian Mbappe. By God, you can bet that I'm gonna be watching Liverpool soccer. You, I mean, I'm sorry, but this is, this is gonna be something I just can't pass up. This will be, this will give me some hell of a story to write. Three amazing players, three of the top players in the world playing together. And Liverpool could very well be the best soccer club in the world if they have Kylian Mbappe alongside Mo Salah and Sadio Mane.
2: The <laughs> thing is, you never, know, you never know how group mechanics work because, you know, putting Messi, Griezmann, and Suarez all together, that didn't exactly pay really big dividends for Barcelona last year. And now I've heard that um, Suarez is going to be going to uh, Atletico Madrid. So, um uh, so, you just, you just don't know how personalities, how playing styles, how playing systems are going to work. I think Mbappe could work pretty well in, in Klopp's system. Uh, again, I, I'd love to see it.
1: I, mean, I, would too. I, I just want Mbappe to go somewhere where he can succeed and grow and be better because critics have him as the guy that they're convinced that Mbappe it's going to help France win at least two more world titles. I mean, I hope so, honestly. I mean, Mbappe is a a once-in-a-lifetime sort of player. Like, there will never be a dude like him again. I can guarantee you that.
2: Well, he's a talent, and he's still really young. He's a kid. He's just a kid. But, um, you know, can he keep that level of intensity? Um, There aren't a whole lot of players who can play at such a high level like a Messi like a Cristiano Ronaldo who have played at such a high level for well over a decade you just it's it's very very difficult to imagine you know can you can you overcome injuries can you be injury free can you keep up your motivation can you avoid you know other other temptations as far as like women drugs things like that things that sunk You know, other really, really talented players. I think of a guy like George Best from the late 60s, uh, early 70s. George Best uh, was a Northern Ireland player who played for Manchester United, helped Manchester United win their first um, Champions Cup back in 68. But unfortunately, George Best also had a real problem with the bottle. But, you know, for two years, yeah, he was the best player on the planet maybe even better than Pele and maybe even better than um, Eusebio for a couple of years. That's how good he was during that two year time, but he flamed out. So can Mbappé you know keep that motivation and everything. You know, time will only tell, but uh, but he certainly is he is a talent, to be sure.
1: Mm-hmm. He's a he's a talent that especially France can be very proud of. Now, the last transfer thing I want to talk about before we get to our only request, which is actually something I'm very surprised, but I'll be happy to answer. It's apparently Usman Dembele is reportedly linked with a transfer to Manchester United. Oh, boy. I don't know what to say. I mean, this this is just some reports that are just coming out. This sort of reminds me when Antoine Griezmann was supposedly linked with a transfer to, to Old Trafford. So I really, at this point, since these are just these little sources coming out of the blue or out of the woodwork, since nothing's really flooding, I mean, this hasn't been on goal or on L'Equipe or any of these major news outlets. I mean, hell, even Sky Sports hasn't even said anything about it, so, I mean, maybe it's because he hasn't gone that far yet. Maybe this is just initiating, but as far what? as him getting out of Barcelona, I guess it would be good because on it's 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 unfortunate that he hasn't had much success there but he has been battling numerous injuries.
2: Yeah, he's been kind of hamstruck with, with injuries in Catalonia, which is too bad. Um, I mean, I think a, I think a fresh start with Man U might be, might be great for him, but after watching that debacle against Crystal Palace over the weekend, I think Manchester United has a much bigger issue with its central defense.
1: Absolutely, and... And Ousmane Dembele, he's only twenty three years old. He's much younger than I thought. I was, res- I mean, you know, I almost forgot who he was. And I, I would assume he's probably you know twenty seven, twenty eight years old. And like, nope, he's tw- He's only twenty three years old. And he was part of the squad that won the World Cup in twenty eighteen. Although he didn't see much playing time. I mean, much playing time. He did start that opening game against Australia. I, I, I know that. But if Dembele can go somewhere where he has a a much needed fresh start, well, first of all, the question is, can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, then he's gonna be okay. But that's the biggest thing about him about Usman Dembele. Can he stay healthy? And if, if he goes to Manchester United, he stays healthy. If he and Anthony Martial and Pogba all three of them connect very well together, you know, if 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 there's that connection with Bruno Fernandez, then I'm all for it. At the end of the day, I'm I'm just I just want a young French superstar. Since I'm a strong supporter of the national team, I don't care where they go. I mean even if Mbappe goes to Liverpool, even as a Man U fan, I, I don't care. I just want somewhere. I want them to go somewhere where they're happy and they play great. That's what it's all about. It's about what's best for Mbappe, not really what's best for me.
2: Well, I think it's too bad because with uh, Dembele, he showed promise. I mean, he was a teammate of Kristijan Polisic's in Dortmund, and uh, you know the the feeling at the time for Dembele. Dembele was that the sky was the limit for him, but it just the the whole thing with Barcelona just didn't work out as planned. So we'll see if that ends up happening where he ends up going to Old Trafford. But again, Man U right now they they they've, they've got some other more immediate concerns.
1: Absolutely, I mean, you know, it's it's like you mentioned how I mentioned before. It's about spending. It's you. It's about spending players and knowing how to use them because. When it comes to drafting players, trading for players, signing players, yada, 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 it's not—a team should never go after a player that they want. It's not about who you want. It's about who and what you need. Because there's—in history of sports, how many times have we seen a player, a team spent a lot of money on a player that we knew that they didn't really need, and it turns out that the whole thing doesn't work out at all? We've seen this numerous times. And sometimes it seems to be a lesson that nobody's going to learn. They just think it's going to work out different for them.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's wrapped up. So the only request I have is apparently our anonymous fan wants to know, since now that the world knows that my dad is a longtime supporter of Olympique de Marseille and since I chair for PSG, he wants to know if my dad and I ever have these trash-talking sessions. No. Honestly, we do not because... While my dad loves soccer, he's not the fan that he was a long time ago. He's not the fan that always tunes in to watch the games. He still he still reads the articles. He keeps up with the news, but he's not at the point where you know, Since my dad's a very busy guy, he doesn't have time. But honestly, and and, and I'll, since I want to mention this, uh, the whole thing with Marseille, there was all these surface, all these allegations, and I wrote a story on this that Neymar accused a, a, a Marseille player of of saying something racist to him. while And then another report said that Neymar said something homophobic to that same player. And then even Angel Di Maria is accused of spitting. But, I mean, my dad expressed, he read about it, and he expressed his dis- disappointment. He was disgusted by it because he's explained this to me before that as the as rivalry, as fierce as it is, the behavior of the players when there's an incident, or the fans, he says it hurts and it damages the pride in French soccer. And my dad's absolutely right. So I think that's why we don't have those trash talking, trash talking thingies because you know we support teams that hate each other. And my dad's absolutely right. It does that behavior is not good.
2: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's you know it's still your dad, and I mean you, you can certainly have your opinions and things like that, but. Um... But yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that it doesn't get <laughs> too terribly personal, uh, in in the Alcazares household.
1: Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're just I mean, if if there's ever an argument about me and my dad in soccer, it's just it, it's 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 basically me supporting Didier Deschamps while my dad supports Eric Cantona. I mean, it, it's just a back and forth debate. I mean, it's nothing it's nothing that gets too ugly. But but as far as Le Classique, I mean if my dad and I are watching it we're just watching it and and if something bad happens my dad is quick to express his disgust and he, and he did he did he didn't go on facebook and say it, but he he told me uh that you know when things like that when they're spitting and there's racism and homophobia I mean these players just need to in his in his words grow the fuck it's, up it's soccer was a very, it was
2: great it was it was a very disappointing match mm-hmm. i mean you know i mean yes Tovar's goal was Excellent quality is a fantastic volley off a direct kick, but um, but there was a lot of cynical play, there were a lot of really nasty fouls, and then you know things just generated that massive dust up at the end of the game. Um, it it, it was really a poor reflection of uh, of French soccer, you know, definitely not one to be proud of.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's and it's unfortunate that not saying PSG I mean if the problems continue it's always gonna leave a bad stain so so that's that so as we wrap it up Steve I have something amazing to tell you because we, we I've been getting more and more reviews and a lot of fans are expressing their how impressed they are with the chemistry that we have and look I just gotta tell you guys this Steve is the reason that this podcast is working out well because and I'm not just saying this because Steve is right here listening Steve has a unique knowledge of the sport I mean Steve is the reason why this show has, you know, is getting has success because, you know, it is what it is. So if you want, to, if you all want to give credit, I mean, give Steve the credit. Steve is is the one who's making this show a
2: success. <laughs> well, you're, you're too kind. You're too kind, and I I appreciate that. But you but you bring a passion to the game, to the pod, and uh, you know, it's 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 fun to chat. the The only thing that would be missing would be, you know. Uh, sitting at a cafe in Marseille with a glass of pastis in hand, uh, talking about soccer. But uh, but it, it's it's sure fun to, to sit and chat and talk about things and have a discussion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and for those of you who love listening to Steve, well, stay tuned because, you know, there's many, many episodes that are coming up where Steve will be the guest. So what I'm trying to say is, folks, there's plenty for you to look forward to because Steve is going to have some amazing things to say So stay tuned. That does it for this week. Steve, thank you so very much for coming back this week. And let me remind everybody that the Bear of Texas podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now, which I'm so happy to say, it's on Amazon Music. Steve, thank you so much. Everybody, you have a good night.
2: Have a good week, everybody. Thanks, Alex.